Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sam Jonas Podcaster, and I'm your host, Sam Jonas, and I want to thank you all for listening in today. And of course, those of y'all who are listening for the first time, welcome. So anyhow, if you caught last episode, I was talking to y'all about the nonprofit organization that I'm working on, and I am going to be getting a website put together and I'm hoping to start doing something with the nonprofit organization sometime after the first of the year. So I would say be looking out for announcements sometime in 2019 by the end of January. Of course, we will be starting a GoFundMe page. Uh, any dollar amount that anybody can donate, you know, so we can start getting this off the ground would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we are definitely uh, in the process of looking for all types of people who can help. Uh, we're looking for social workers, nurses, grant writers, child care workers, um, any type of uh accounting administrators, anybody who's able to give their time so we can get this organization off the ground, it would definitely be appreciated. So anyhow, so moving along, uh, today's episode, I'm going to talk to y'all about coping with loss. And this is actually going to be a three-part segment. So today is going to be segment one, and segment one is going to talk about coping with the loss of a job. Now, on my first episode, I was talking to y'all about how the financial crisis of 2008 hit me pretty hard. I was, at the time, a 27-year-old hotel manager, and, of course, gas prices were rising, pocketbooks were not rising, Pay was not rising, and it was affecting a lot. It was affecting a lot of everybody's economy. And I was a hotel manager in the Houston, Texas area, and I had asked for a transfer to Harlingen, Texas, which is about 20 miles north of Brownsville, Texas. So the reason why I had asked for that transfer was because I knew that, number one, economically it was more feasible. Two, it was starting to take up a lot of my life living in Houston, Texas, having to do a 52-mile one-way drive to work every day. So imagine 104 miles a day just driving. Not only driving to and from work, but having to run errands, go marketing, go to... XYZ place like if I had to go to Lowe's because we needed you know toilet parts because we had broken toilets or let's say we were out of laundry detergent and Ecolab was not delivering their order for another three days we had to go to Sam's and get laundry detergent so there was a lot of things that led up to me asking for the transfer well then I got I got hit with an audit. Uh, they came in, they QC'd my hotel, and I, I knew I had some bad seeds in my staff. And of course, rather than allow me to fix the problem, these bad seeds went and really just threw me under the bus. 
And of course, my manager came to me and said, you know, Sam, your services are no longer needed. And part of the reason was, yes, I was thrown under the bus, but part of the other reason was they were able to get someone who was willing to do the job for $5,000 a year less than what I was doing the job for, okay? So at the time, I was making right around $36,000 a year. So they were able to get someone to come in for 31000 So, I mean, that was saving them some money, okay, economically. So then... I just remember that afternoon walking to my car and just like, I, I, I was in a state of panic, you know, and this was like probably one of the first times I had ever experienced a real panic attack, a real anxiety attack. And I was just like, you know, what do I do? This is like, has been a good job. You know, this is a job where I've made some pretty decent money at. You know, I'm a high income earner here. You know, here I am. I've got this brand new car I just bought because I am a manager at a hotel. And I need to be able to not be showing off my swag, but I need to be able to go out and meet the public and I need to be able to present myself as a manager. I couldn't show up in my in my old Ford Escort that I had been driving before becoming a manager. No, that was just that was just uncalled for. I needed to be presentable. So I remember being in a state of shock and that 52 mile home that 52 mile drive home felt like 200 miles. And I was just thinking, how am I going to pay for my car? How am I going to pay for my cell phone? How am I going to eat? You know, I'm because I'm a very picky person when it comes to eating. I love good food. I don't exactly like, you know, just going to... Taco Bell and eating tacos every day, the, the crunchy tacos. No, I don't exactly like going to McDonald's and having a quarter pounder every day. No, that is not what I liked. I was used to going to a cafeteria-style restaurant. Uh, those of my Texas listeners, I'm sure you all are familiar with Luby's. You know, I was I'm used to going to Luby's at least once a week. Now lately I haven't been going to Luby's because it just hasn't been my cup of tea over the last I would say year, maybe even two years that I haven't gone to Luby's much. But I still go to Luby's and I have a good meal. So I was just in this state of panic. You know, the whole drive home and the first place I stopped was I stopped at my stepfather's restaurant because at the time they were living in Houston and I was living with them. And the plan was I was going to move back to Brownsville because I had wanted to be close to the beach. I wanted to be with my friends. 
you know, I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to be in my house, you know, my comfort zone. So I remember losing the job and being out of my comfort zone and thinking, oh my God, this is just terrible. And I remember every day for about three or four days at around four o'clock, I would start crying. And my mother would come and sit on the couch with me and she was like, Sam, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, mom, how is it going to be okay? You know, I have, you know, a $20,000 note on a car right now. I have a new credit card that I need to pay. And, you know, I have to pay you rent. How is this going to be okay? Explain that to me, mother. You know, I just remember telling her that, you know, and I was crying. I just remember getting in the car and going for a drive. And it was right before Mother's Day. And we had made plans for Mother's Day that we were going to go out to lunch. And I just didn't feel like going for lunch that day. And I woke up the morning of Mother's Day and I was just like, I'm going to tell them I don't want to go to lunch. I'm going to pack up. And I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go to Brownsville. I said, I just want to be at home. I want to start moving forward again. And sure enough, I did. Even though I was... As I was driving south on the Sam Houston Tollway towards uh, Highway 59 to go to Brown to Victoria and then eventually to Brownsville, I um I was listening to Chris Daughtry at the time. He was just a breakout artist, and I was listening to the song "Home," and um. I just remember thinking, I'm going home, and I was crying in the car, driving to Brownsville. And, um, there was this other song that he sang, um, I think it's called, um, uh, Over You, and uh, the lyrics go, I never saw it coming I should have started running a long long time ago and it was true you see about six weeks before I lost my job I was real burnt out where I was at and I knew I needed to get out I knew it was time for an escape so I was driving home and I was listening to Sunny 99.1 in Houston and I had actually been working late that day. It was a Friday and I heard 
the song Escape, uh, the Pina Colada song. And I was listening to the lyrics very closely and how it related to my job. And then I started singing along with it. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. If you're not into yoga. If you have half a brain. And then I just like, it started hitting me. I have half a brain. I'm not happy where I'm at because they're really over micromanaging me okay and I wasn't I'm I'm not someone you can micromanage okay I've always told all my supervisors that I'm like look if you're gonna micromanage me let me go just fire me I'd rather you fire me than micromanage me. Because if you're going to micromanage me, number one, we're going to have a problem. And number two, we're going to have an even bigger problem. And number three, by micromanaging me, you're going to piss me off a lot more and that's going to be the biggest problem. Okay? So I'm not someone you put under a microscope. Okay? You let me do my thing. I get the job done, I produce, I keep working. So I had been, I had just, I was being micromanaged and I had called, I had called Mike's, Mike's manager. He had gotten me the job where I was at and he was still my colleague. And I talked to him and I always called him boss. I said, hey boss, you know, what's up with the micromanager of this company? And he was like, he was like, listen, man, this company's fucked up. I said, are you going to do what I think you're going to do? And he was like, I don't know. You tell me, are, are you going to do what I think you're going to do? I said, no, 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 you first. He was like, no, you first. I was like, no, you first. And we were like in this, we were like in this brotherly spat for like about five minutes. I said, you know what? I said, whatever the situation may be. I said, let's just see what the next few weeks have in store. And so this was about mid-April of 2008. Well, sure enough, second week in May 2008, got the walking papers. It was a... Wednesday afternoon so and I remember I called him and I was devastated he was pissed I mean he was like what the fuck just happened and I was like boss you know how you know how this company's run it, it, it they're trying to run a hotel like they're trying to run a restaurant so anyhow so I lost that job and that was probably one of the first biggest blows I ever took so 
Then, you know, in between, you know, I went to go work for another company, a call center. And I had medical benefits. And, of course, you know, they say once you get medical benefits, you start to get sick, it seems. And that's what happened with me. I got my medical benefits. And right away, what happens? I start getting sick. I had a stroke around October of 2008. Followed by a heart attack in November of 2009, 2008. And then I had my first round of cancer in January of 2009 and I just started getting sick and then you know I was dating someone and let's just say the relationship had some real serious blows to it and I just had you may as well have taken a dagger to my heart that day, twisted it around my chest several times, and made sure all the blood bled out of my body because I literally wanted to die that night. But that was during a time where I was a cocaine addict and it didn't hit me as bad until the next morning and I just remember I needed I needed solace I needed help I just I wanted this to be over I did not want I did not want to continue the drugs. So I remember I couldn't sleep the night before, which was sun a Sunday night. And then Monday I came home. I couldn't sleep all day. I was just crying and crying and crying. And Finally, I was able to go to sleep Monday night, very late at night, and I woke up Tuesday, and I just still was crying. And Tuesday, I was like, I need to go see a doctor. I'm not, I'm not right. And I went to a doctor, I went to go see a psychiatrist, and that is when I first got diagnosed with my bipolar depression. That was in April of 2009. And ever since then, you know, I, um, I was diagnosed as bipolar depressed. So I, I, I took a negative, I, I, um, I took that negative that happened. Eventually, you know, I lost that job and I was getting aid through the state because I was a student and, you know, I was liking going to school and I was liking what I was doing. So I was fine. 
for all intents and purposes. 2011, 2010 came around, 2011, 2012, 2013. I got a job at a call center, and of course I hated the job, but, you know, I went and put my all in it. They let me go. Well, it only took me a couple of weeks to find a better job, and then I quit that one, and then I found the better job, and then all, and then all of a sudden I went to the job where I'm at now, where I was at, um, until September second of this year. Now, for all intents and purposes, I should not be mentioning the name of the company, and. I thought about it right now, and no, I am not going to mention the name because of the legal matters that are going to be surrounding uh, this company over the next few weeks uh, due to a wrongful termination and due to the fact that they terminated me for wrong reasons and illegal reasons. I mean, they could actually get fined by the labor board. They could get fined by several agencies. And, you know, they kind of say, you know, sit back and watch the watch the fireworks go off. Well, this is one of those times I'm going to sit back and really enjoy the fireworks show. So anyhow, so I worked for a company that manages Medicare Advantage plans for about four years. I sat behind the desk for about three years before this last bout of illness where I got, I had a, a real bad illness with my depression, my anxiety, uh, my panic attacks were getting worse. As I mentioned to y'all in the last episode, you know, uh, for the nonprofit organization that what started it was the fact that my mom had moved into my grandparents' house from Houston, and the situation was just made very difficult. I, um, I couldn't go, I couldn't go to work and be at ease. I couldn't come home and be at ease. I couldn't even leave the house and be at ease because something just was not right and i started having panic at work i started feeling anxiety at work i just you know at the time i um i was trying to keep myself disciplined and one of the ways i was keeping myself disciplined was i had um i had adopted bald by choice now, bald by choice was I was shaving my head every day, okay? Um, lining up my beard, you know, keeping it trimmed, keeping it clean, keeping it colored as needed. You know, and I was trying to keep myself disciplined. And all of a sudden, the plan was, till the end of 2017, I was supposed to stay bald. And just from one day to the next, I just started looking like a slob. You know, my hair started growing back. My beard was out of 
out of proportion and I just started falling into the depression again. So that is when I decided to take time off work because I knew something was wrong. I figured, okay, two, three weeks, I'll be fine. Well, two, three weeks turned into two or three months. Two or three months turned into six months. Six months eventually turned into 14 months. 14 months turned into termination. The thing was, is that I was cleared to go back to work by my doctors. My doctors even reached out to the company and said, yes, he's clear to go back to work. They wrote letters, they filled out forms, he's clear. But it was internally that two associates decided, let's put Sam on long-term disability. And to me, it felt like it was a way that they were trying to push me out. So I had started applying for new jobs. I got them, but because of the legal matter that was going on, I couldn't accept the jobs. So then the next thing was, well, what about, you know, just hanging out and waiting to go back to work? I was like, great, let's do that. At least I know I've got a secure job. I'll be fine. Yeah, the job may suck. You know, go work a few months. And then if, you know, I start feeling sick, at least I know I've got my short-term disability. Well, right when I was about to go back to work, I had a setback. And that setback set me back so far that I had to call and say I couldn't start when I was supposed to start. Well, now that I was supposed to start, they never responded and said, well, you know what, Sam, this was the, this is absolutely the last opportunity we can give you to come back. Nothing. You know, just next thing I got was a termination letter dated saying, you know, oh, you know, as of this day, because of this, you know, we've decided to terminate you. So right now, I uh, will be traveling up to San Antonio uh, next Tuesday. So next Tuesday, there will not be a podcast episode uh, because I will be traveling. If there is a podcast episode, it will be coming out late in the evening. So I'll be tra- I'll be traveling, you know, to go and talk to them. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission because I want I want this wrong to be done right. You know, I was injustice. And what United Healthcare did to me, and of course I just mentioned the name was wrong. They really wronged me. And, you know, this complaint is going to go public. And so, how have I started to cope with the loss since losing the job? And how did I cope back then? 
And how did I cope? How do I cope now? Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's no difference in how you cope then and how you cope now. It's all about, number one, having a plan. Number two, you need to have some faith. And number three, you got to have... You got to have some type of stamina, some type of, you know, you have to have a drive, something that's going to drive you every day. I remember in 2008, you know, there was absolutely no income coming in. Okay? No income coming in. Okay? In 2008. I mean, I had creditors calling me you know, for my car payment. And I just remember, like, having to take my car across to Matamoros and hide it at a cousin's house until I could make the payment, you know, and having to be without a car for, like, two or three weeks until I could make a payment. I remember, you know, I had bill collectors, you know, from local loan companies knocking on my door, uh, trying to collect money, you know, and they would come, they'd knock on my bedroom window, see if I was here, I wouldn't answer, I'd let, the good thing was I didn't have my dog at the time, so they knew I wasn't home, but, you know, I'd have to, I'd hide in the closets, I'd hide under the, the blankets, you know, I'd hide anywhere, okay, and that was in 2008, so in 2000, in 2018 now, what do I do? Well, the good thing was is that my long-term disability continued. And how I've started to cope with the loss is, you know, I'm out there trying to hustle to make a buck. And, you know, when in 2008, I couldn't even afford $3 to go and buy a gallon of gas to go and maybe you know, go push a lawnmower to maybe make an extra 30 or $40, you know, now I can afford to go and buy a gallon of gas and go push the lawnmower to make an extra 30 or $40. You know, I was able to buy some tools over the years, uh, a pressure washer, a chainsaw, a brush trimmer. And I, you know, am not scared to go out and knock on someone's door and try to make money. So one of the things that a lot of people say is, oh, you know, uh, it's beneath me to go and try to make a, make a few bucks. Well, you know, is how, how beneath you is it? You have to ask yourself. You know, I remember when... My grandfather lost his businesses in 1987. You know, I mean, here he was, you know, going to country clubs for dinners and going to install mini blinds with people he would go to dinners at these country clubs with. You know, and I'm not saying he lost a lot of friends along the way, but he, um, 
He didn't let his pride get in the way with him. So one of the things you can do is if you let your pride get in the way, well, obviously, I mean, you're not going to be successful in coping with the situation when you're faced with the situation of losing a job. Okay? Um, one of the things that I've that I've been doing is pressure washing. You know, I got I bought a pressure washer and I started cleaning my driveway and someone came by my house the other day and said, Hey, how much will you charge to come and wash my driveway? And I was like, you know, I it, it was right after payday and I was like, I really don't need the money and I was like, uh well let me go see it and I'll I'll give you a quote and I was just like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lowball these people, you know, and they're gonna go ahead and say, Yeah, okay, you know, go come and do it. I went and I looked at the driveway and I said, you know, and I explained to them, you know, the 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 minimum standard that I have is about forty dollars. And for this particular driveway, it's not big. Um I'm gonna charge you forty dollars. They were like, okay, go ahead and do the job. Do you need any chemicals or anything? I was like, no, I, I provide the chemicals because you know, I go to Sam's. I mix my chemicals that I need. You don't need to greasers. You don't remove any heavy oils or stuff like that. And um, I go from there. And, um, of course, that's if I need to remove any heavy oils. So I go and I do the driveway. It took about maybe an hour and 45 minutes I go and I let the lady of the house know that I'm finished. And she was like, wow, it looks nice. And she was like, how much do we owe you again? I said, oh, it's only $40. She was like, no, sir. Um, this uh, this job doesn't merit $40. And I kind of got dumbfounded there for a minute. I was thinking like, oh, my God, she's going to she's gonna take advantage of my of my hard work, you know, and maybe just pay me $25 or something like that. But I mean, either way, I would have been grateful, you know, just to receive a few extra bucks. So she gave me an envelope and the envelope was a little heavy. And I was like, well, ma'am, you know, thank you very much. You know, and she was like, well, here's your payment thing. You know, thank you very much. I told her, you know, if you ever need your driveway pressure washed again, you know where I live. Here's my phone number. I, didn't, I don't have any business cards or anything. I said, but you can find me on social media. And I said, hey, by the way, I'm a YouTuber and I hadn't started podcasting yet. And um, I got in the truck and I started driving away and I opened up the envelope. And there's a whole bunch of fives in there and... A whole bunch of ones and I, I get home and I'm like nah, you know she lowballed me so I get home and I start counting everything and there was about 25 ones and 15 fives so it was a hundred dollars and at the back of the card it said, young man, I admire your perseverance. I was like, wow. I admire your perseverance. 
And so the other day she was walking by the house and I stopped her and I said, and you know, and I asked her, you know, ma'am, um, thank you so much, you know, for, for that, for that nice payment. Um, I, I don't understand you admire my perseverance, you know, what were you talking about? She pulled me aside and she said, you know, Sam, I've lived in this neighborhood for close to 30 years now. And ever since you were about nine or 10 years old, you know, I'm, I, I'm approaching 40. Okay. And she was like, ever since you were about nine or 10 years old, I saw you. You would go help your grandfather cut carpet, roll up carpet. Uh, you were always watering the grass, cutting the grass, picking weeds. You always cleaned your grandparents' cars. You cleaned your mom's car. You're always, you know, during the Christmas season, you know, decorating the house. You're always doing something. And the reason why I asked you to come and wash my driveway was because I wanted to feel a bit of your karma. I was like, wow. I was like, well, thank you, ma'am. And, you know, we shook hands. She walked off. I, I continued doing what I was doing, walked into my house. So... It took us to this morning, okay? And I go to church every morning. Now, there's there's been some mornings I can't go to, due to my osteophytosis because of the weather and also because of my back and you know, the extreme pain I'm in. One of the things that I wish they would do here in Texas is legalize cannabis, especially the THC. Because if they were to legalize THC here in the state of Texas and legalize it the right way for the right uses, I wouldn't wake up in the pain I'm in on the cold mornings, you know, and I'd be able to go and serve the Lord like I like serving the Lord. And I look at, you know, having lost my job and going out and doing the work that I do, you know, not as, you know, like, oh, I'm trying to make money to survive. I look at this as an opportunity for me to go out and do the works of our Lord and Savior. Right now, of course, I've always mentioned I um, record in my bedroom. And I'm looking at a picture of my best friend. And my best friend is Chino. And I just see the picture of him and he's smiling back at me right now. And every time I see Chino, you know, we talk and he, you know, he, he knows I'm having a bad day. He tells me something 
you know, that I need to hear. And it makes me feel good. He makes me realize, you know, I can do better. I can be better. You know, my craft of becoming a barber. I know that from what I've seen in the shops and what I've learned, once I get behind that barber chair and start cutting hair, it's going to be like I've been cutting hair for 20 years. The reason why I say that, there's not a thing I have not been able to do. Carpentry, I can do it. Electrical, I can do it. Air conditioning, I can do it. Installing carpet, fixing cars, you name it, I can do it. I don't know how God blessed me with this talent, but he did. And so now that I don't have a job, I'm able to take my talent and go use it somewhere. And, you know, I know that once I get my license and I'm cutting hair, you know, it's going to be amazing, you know, to do the works of our Lord and Savior and, you know, put smiles on men's faces, you know, like, hey, you know, I came in here and, you know, because uh, everybody's got every barber that I, um, I've i talked to. You know, my friend Chino, he's Chino the Barber. Uh, we got another friend. His name is Homie the Barber. We've got another one. We call him Ghost the Barber. And, you know, we just, you know, we got we got a, a wide variety of, of, um, of, of barbers and you know from very different walks of lives i would i'm I'm definitely going to be the oldest one of the group because i'm older and i'm of course i'm a lot wiser but then again you know we've all got our our wiseness to us and chino tends to be my conscience anyhow So this, so today this sister at at church came to me and told me she was being transferred to Tegucigalpa. And she was asking me, she, I told, she was like, I'm keeping you from going to work, right? I was like, well, sister, you know, I don't work anymore. I told her, you know, I was telling her my story about what had happened at work and how I got disabled. And then, you know, I, um... That I um that I'm unemployed. I said, but you know, even though I'm unemployed, I still get a disability check, and I'm still able to collect my unemployment. And she told me, you know, God blessed you. God blessed you very well. I said, 
And sister, you know what else he did? I said, God even gave me the opportunity just to go out there and start doing the works of our Lord and Savior. I met with this lady a few months back, and I, I was at Luby's having lunch one day, and she came up to me and she was like, where do I know you from? I was like, oh, I'm, you you uh, did my uh, cousin's uh, mother's funeral. Oh, she was like, come and sit with me for a few minutes. And that few minutes turned into three and a half hours of sitting there talking about the Bible, talking about Jesus. And it was just so amazing, you know, being able to, you know, connect. And she told me, she was like, Sam, when you go and cut someone's yard, pray. When you cut your own yard, pray. Think about it as a prayer. An opportunity to say a prayer for someone, for that person that gave you that work. And, you know, I thought about it, and she's right. You know, every Saturday morning, I try to listen to gospel music on the way to the Basilica. And there's this one song that we sing in church at the uh, it's at the uh, in our processional on Sundays. It's called "God Has Chosen Me," and it goes, "God has chosen me to bring good news to the poor." And I thought about it, you know, God chose me. To lose my job. Okay. God chose me. To. Go out. And do. All this work that I do. And you know. It is just so amazing. To be able to. Come and sit down. And you know. Record a podcast every week. Every two days. You know, to go out and hang out with Chino at the barbershop and, you know, learn what he's doing. And next month, knowing that I'm going to start barber college, you know, that's another great, that's going to be another great experience. You know, eventually knowing that I'm going to be stand, I'm going to be working in the shop, actually making money, not just sitting there all day, hanging around, having fun doing challenges no i'm actually going to be making some money out of that shop so i guess what i'm trying to say is is that when you lose your job don't let your pride get in the way okay go out there and do something you know even if you just go and volunteer, you'd be surprised how much payment you're going to get in return. You know, God chose you to lose your job for a reason. Okay? And yeah, I know, it sucks losing a job. I mean, hell, if I could, lose, if I could go back and do it all over again... I mean, I wouldn't want to lose my job, but now that I think about it, I, I, I say, you know what? My health was was killing me. 
You know, I mean, I was, you know, work, you know, I was working 50 hours a week. I was coming home stressed, you know. Okay, of course, my bedroom is still a mess. I still can't get it clean, but because I'm constantly always trying to find, trying to find something to do and reorganize. But, you know, I, um, I definitely suggest, you know, find something you're good at and do it and go share it with everybody when you lose that job. Because you'll never know what you're good at until you go out there and do something for someone. So, well, that's going to be the end of this podcast today. And, of course, I do want to thank everybody for coming by and listening. To all my listeners in the Rio Grande Valley, don't forget that um, I'm always at Chino's Barbershop at 1200 Central Boulevard, Suite A2 in Brownsville, Texas. You can always stop by and visit with me and say hello. Um, the hours of operation are Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And their phone number is 956-465-6435. Oh, and by the way, um, I also do have my YouTube page. You can follow me on YouTube. And if you see the profile picture, Look me up. I am Sam Jonas. I do need followers. I do need people to be subscribing. So as I tell everybody, you know, I I do act a little different on my YouTube page. But please, you know, every view helps. Every subscriber helps. Every like, every comment, anything y'all can do. Please help me get that YouTube page uh, going so I can keep it alive and well. And uh, other than that, you know, I, again, sincerely want to thank everybody who is already listening to my podcasts. Again, um, next Tuesday, we will be talking about coping with the loss of a loved one. Um, When I talk about coping with the loss of a loved one, we're going to be talking about coping with the loss of a loved one. Uh, We're going to be talking about matters of a divorce. In this particular case, I'm going to tell I'm going to give you my view of a divorce as a child and how I experienced my parents divorce and how I had to cope with that loss and then both at age 10 and at age 19. So, and that should be a pretty good podcast episode. Now this coming Friday we will be talking to um i will be trying to bring a guest on the show i don't know who's coming on the show yet so please stay tuned for friday's episode so other than that i do want to say thank you all so much for listening and um until the next one i just want to say uh todos vaya con dios